0: Welcome children The underneath played by William Walker The Coal House was an old colonial built, the side of a hill. Six stairs led up to the red shingle porch. The door was red as well, old thick, made of oak. It's a cool space underneath the house, enclosed by a white lattice. Beneath the stairs, a little coal poured away at teeth disclosing the underbelly of his family home. It was his underneath place, the place where he came to bury his jars. His grandmother, grandma, old and closelyfully demented, lived in the downstairs bedroom at the back of the long hall that stretched from the front door to the back. She was eighty-three, despite her deterrenting mind, her body still held strength sometimes she would get up in the night and roam around she had cut herself with a broken teacup once and elliot's parents spent all night getting the bleeding to stop after that they began to lock her door at night still elliot could hear her in the sleepless hours of the morning pacing in circles and whispering to whatever visitors came to haunt her elliot was afraid of her and since she had moved in he had stayed away from her a week before his eleventh birthday Elliot woke to the sound of Romar's thundering footsteps downstairs. The morning was still premature. The sun was more than a peaking Cons- crescent on the horizon outside of his window. He rolled around for a while, spending several minutes of each side until his arm would go to sleep before turning up once again. Grandpa mar's footsteps great strength with every footfall, each footfall, the floor beneath Elliot's bed began to shake. He stood up and crept out of his room. His parents were still asleep, tucked away in their dreams at the end of the upstairs hallway. Elliot slunk down the stairs, careful to avoid the places on the footboards that he knew were weak. He ducked beneath the wooden spindle at the bottom of the stairs and peered down the hallway. Grandma's door was open, dim yellow light shone out of the doorway from the doorway. It might li of a painting in his church, one where the gates of heaven were swung open, and the light of the God radiated out in the ravaged faces of believers. That light, the light made him feel sick. He tiptoed down the hallway. Grandma's increasing blubbering became to form in his ears. No, Daddy, no, Daddy, she whispered. There's a mixture of frustration and there were there was a mixture of frustration, and desperation in her voice, heavily on description. Desperation. Hamlet appeared in the doorway, wrapped his fingers around the frame, and peered in. Grandma was facing away from him. She was standing inside her bed. Over her side table, she was stretching and folding her arms, reaching out to the ceiling with her wrinkled and liver spotted hands before bringing them back and twisting her grey, frail hair into knots. He want her once white nightgown had turned yellow like it was disease. Ding dong, ding dong, she said, spreading her arms out like broken wings it was still keeping his silence in the room complete. However, he had not accounted for his parents who were beginning to stir upstairs. The floorboards above him let out a whirling creak. Grandma spun round, twisting at the hips. It reminded the of a serpent in a basket, her eyes locked with his. There was still a moment, their glazes, freezing each other. Finally, Grandma's lips peeled open, a white-green crossed. Braid across her face. The upper far, half of but body finished the, the turn. She faced him. Her head cocked slightly, the grin plastered on her walk face. She sat down on the edge of her bed. Her motion was disturbingly smooth as it had tapped into a buried reserve of her youthful elegance. Hilly Hurt, he she said. My boy, what are you doing up so early? Do you come sit with me a moment? something i meant to ask you her voice was still frail but taken on surely what and it had heard in ages years the glaze of her eyes seemed to slide away like the layer of a film on a cat's eye beneath its outer lid with a twisted hand she patted at the by bed beside her there was a soft pat pat sound on the comforter her hair head cocked again Eddie fled. He stamped on the stairs, bolting into his room and shutting the door against his windows, against his mother's cries of, of confusion. sat inside he leaned on his back against the door, and clutched his chest. It felt as if two great stones were pressing against each side of his heart. Sweet. Sweat began to bead on his thin brow. He was hyperventilating. He began to hop to his closet. Doubled over and twisting his t-shirt into knots, he slid the door to his closet open. The panel vents in the doors clinged cling together. He began to rummage through the pile of clothes and toys and the mass on the floor. Inside the dark room, he found an empty mason jar. Took it in his hand and turned back into his room. He sat down in the front of his bed. Cross-legged, he unscrewed the lid, put it aside and placed the jar six inches in front of him. He leaned forward over it. His mouth gaped open. From it he filled the jar with a violent, violet fluid. It was voracious and hot in his throat. It tasted bitter on his tongue. It came from a place deep within him. Lower than his guts, he winced and gagged as it continued to flow. He had never purged this much. Finally, he began to trick, trickle off. He spat the rest into the jar, as best he could. A couple of specks missing the lip and landed on the floor. Tiny though they were, they glow was noticeable in the morning light. He leaned back, rasping. <coughs> He's hitched. His chest hitched, and then unlocked. His head swam with a kind of ecstasy, feverishly. He sat for a moment, catching his breath and recomposing, then screwed the lid back on. He made sure it was tight. He stood on up and brought the jar back to his closet. The fluid bathed in the dark on his neon light. He had to bury it soon. He dug around the pile more. Once more, and took took out his backpack. It had been empty since school had left him, had let him out. He carefully placed the jar inside and stuffed some clothes in it, around it like packing. He set the backpack down and covered it with more junk. He closed the door on the closet, and with his hands resting against the door, took a deep breath. He began to lay down for a while, but the room, but the room began to swim. And he had to rush to the, the, the bathroom to vomit. After he brushed the taste, the taste off his, brushed the taste off his teeth. He went downstairs for breakfast. His parents were both in the kitchen. His father sitting in a slight, silent contemplation, of his paper, while his mother stud eggs. Neither of them looked at Elliot when he entered. His mother's hair, blonde, usually tied up in a braid, fell trumpfully down her back, was dishevelled and twisted, her face was red, and occasionally she would lift the back of her hand to her nose. The sight made him uneasy. The look of his father, however, was not entirely unfamiliar to Elliot. The lines of his face had seemed to deepen into canyons, and his tight mouth sagged. Underneath his eyes a purple circlet. Elliot recognised the face as a mask of his father wore after a long day of work a kind of day when he would skip dinner and spend the evening in his study sometimes until Elliot had gone to sleep no, the face was familiar, what was concerning about it was the timing. His mother brought the skinlet over to the stove and scrapped, scraped eggs into Elliot, from it on, onto Elliot's father's his father's plates. They was so lightly burnt why well, they clung to the pan, made did it feel like he again need, he like he needed to vomit again. His mother dropped the pan into the sink with a loud clang and sat at the table. She rested her hand her face in her hands and let out a deep sigh. They were silent for a moment before she spoke. I don't haven't taken her Oh I won't I don't her taken for me. She said to the emptiness of the room. "'Yes, are our hands,' Elliot's father responded. "'These cuts needed stitches. We're "'Lucky we've got bleeding to stop. "'Next time we might not. "'Next time we might not be our hands.' "'He looked at her with his sulkened eyes. "'There was anguish in them. "'There was something else there, too,' Elliot decided it was fear. If we take her to the place, well, they have her committed they'll have her committed. His mother continued. Forty hours at least, maybe. So, that's, that's just super so time. Once you see how she really is, she trailed off. Once they see what they let her, they'll never let her out. Maybe she does, doesn't need to be, let out. Elliot's father said, his eyes moving back away. Oh Christ's sake! His mother shouted, her hands forming fists and slamming down the t- onto the table. Silverware rattled. Elliot jumped back. You talk like she's an animal, like a fucking dog. That's my mother in there. She pointed. She pointed over her shoulder towards a dark room. Back bedroom. Her father let out attention sigh. Elliot. He began, but Elliot would already gone. Already gone. Elliot crept back to his room and continued continued shouting of his parents obscured his footfalls, Footfalls. In his closet he uncovered his backpack. Soft light spread out through the crooked teeth of the zipper. He hosted the bag over one shoulder and looked at the floor. He continued arguing at the parents seemed to obscure. Take They were underwater. The colours of the room seemed to fade. Save for the purple glow from the jar, for a moment he seemed to be able to see through the floor beneath him. Below he could see that Grandma had stopped her pacing. She had come out over to a basin just beneath his closet and was staring at the ceiling. Through the ceiling, Elliot felt the dark hands of panic grasp his heart. But he didn't look away. Instead, he saw himself drop to his knees, reach through the floor, take his grandmother by the collar and stuff her into a jar. He would bury her. Her body had collapsed and deflated in her mind with all the others. But he did not... But he did know such thing. But he did not know... Did know such thing. He stared down at her. Their eyes seeming to focus on one another. Grandma would seen to raise her left arm. In her hand, Elliot saw the suzy gleam of a scalpel. He hadn't seen it until then. It had been there. She raised the blade to her throat and cut. Her motion was savage. She brought the blade back and forth like, well, she, like she was cutting through its tough steak. Elliot would hear the tensions in her, tendons in her neck tearing and snapping. There was no blood. However, grandmother's sudden face never changed. Finally, she pulled the blade back down to her side, back where he couldn't see it. The wound on the neck was a gaping hole. Slowly, a dark liquid began to flow out. It was thick and dark red, deep red, almost black. It radiated a red light that reminded Elliot of the filth he had, he had in a jar on his back. Horrified, he turned and left the room when he passed back by the kitchen. His father was gone. His mother was standing over the sink, his, his her arms spread in a V, her weight resting above around above them. The count, whole counter groaned. The facet was running. Elliot had heard it, but his mother was still. He left without speaking. At the bottom of the stairs, leading away from the house, Elliot cocked his head over one shoulder to see if anybody was watching. The windows were empty. He darted under the stairs. It was dark under the stairs, like a perpetual dark had fallen. Once a damp swamp, dust swam through the air. He found the loose piece of lotus and pulled it away. There was a scraping sound. He put it in the side and moved his back back. Gently he put the bug put The bag jet inside the hole he had created. He got down on his stomach and began to slide himself underneath the house, pushing the bag as he did. Already he was contorting d- 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 his excuse for dirtying his shirt. After he took care of the jar, he would go to the park for a while, maybe fall off the monkey bars or play a game of baseball with some of the other kids. He pushed him further into the depths of the court-space. Occasionally he filled the small lumps of the previous barrel underneath his hands or legs. The gloom was nearly complete. Temptive light shone through the diamond holes in the deece. Cobwebs hung, clung to the pipes and beams. Something was scurrying around with him. As he called, he calculated that where he was in relation to the house above him. And when he got where he... He figured the kitchen was. He stopped. He began to dig. At the dirt of his hands, it was dry. He could feel grit collecting, and filling in the space between his nail and pink flesh beneath. He did. He did not have to measure his hole, since at the beginning he'd always known that when to stop. He took the jar from the bag. The colors filled the darkness in the coarse base, illuminated his dark, dirt-stained face. Sweat clung from his blonde hair to his forehead, as shadows of the the jar made seemed too long. They seemed to be creeping inward. He placed the jar in the hole, careful not to disturb too greatly, and began to feel the dirt on top of it. The process only took him a moment. When he finished, he grabbed his bag, spun around on his belly, and excelled. Back in the daylight he replaced her the tea and called out from the underneath the stairs. He sat up on his knees and dusted off his hands. As he did a shadow fell upon him. He looked up and saw a silhouette obscuring the sun. Light poured through the shapes of the wild hair. And recognized it to be grandma. He put he put up a hand up to shield his eyes. Grandma was motionless on the dusty white front lawn. A wind filled his eyes, his ears with a hollow sound and grated his face as specks of dust. He began to speak to ask her what she was doing out of her room, to ask her if she had seen him coming out from beneath the house. But without saying a word, she turned and walked around the side of the house, and out of sight, he, he didn't follow her. He said he walked down the gravel driveway and cut through the the yards that led to the playground. There was nobody there, so Elliot went on the swing. He placed his backpack between his feet. He didn't swing successfully. He just rocked back and forth, making semi-circle grooves in the dirt around his backpack, his feet like a halo. The earth was soft and dark. Once he dug deep enough, worms began to wriggle their heads out. He paused and leaned forward on the swing, inspecting them. He watched until the sun caressed in the sky, and then he took his back bag and began to walk home. When he got home, the sun was over the house, beginning its descent on its back to the backside. He took the stairs slowly, listening. He could not hear sounds, and possibly voices coming from the inside, but he couldn't make them out. He imagined his mother and father sitting in the kitchen table with Grandma, still and calm, explaining to them how she had seen their son playing underneath the house. He would hear the snapping sounds the nail gun could make. His father's cue to the teeth back into the house's frame. Onto the house's frame, he could imagine his room filling up with liquid filth and jars until the door burst open and the world was Drowned out in neon science science silence he opened the door the, the sounds were coming from the back from grandma's room, Their voices too, his mother's and grandma's, mixing and growing a feverish level growing and growing a feverish level. Elliot, Elliot considered going to, going up to his room and shutting the door and then began to f- creep forward as he drew closer, his ears were able to hear. He were part of two voices and cipher each of them saying This was desperate there was desperation in his mother's voice, urging grandmother to calm down, to stop flailing. Confusing, anguish filled grandmother's voice. She spoke only syllables. The sun's dim light was shining out from the other side under side of the door. Again Elliot thought of the rapture, rapture faithful. Elliot, his father said. To her, to Elliot turned to his right and saw his father sitting on the kitchen table, still dressed in his robe. There was a cup of coffee in front of him, but no steam was coming out of it. He made a motion for Elliot to come over. The chair squealed at on the floor as Elliot pulled on it pulled, at. pulled it, out. He dampened the sound of glass shattering around from Grandma's room. Both Elliot and his father turned their heads to it. Your grandmother's very sick. He Father said, turning back to face him. You know what that's right, I mean, you heard heard her right. Elliot nodded his head. This was another crashing sound that came from the wall from Grandmother's room, followed by a shout from Elliot's mother. Well, his father continued, It was worse when she's just talking to herself. It was just that. It, it was what it maybe we could keep her at here, but he trailed off. He looked into his coffee, considered to, to take a drink, and made a grimace before putting the cup between him. Sometimes he it hurts herself. Sometimes it he curses herself. We'll keep it. We kept it from you, but she does. Edith thought, thought of the smile she made when she cut her throat beneath her earlier. His father took a deep breath and then let it out. Point is, his father said. You can't keep her here anymore. She's going to have to go to a nursing home. You know what that's for. Elliot nodded, thinking of the faithful available in cold light. I already contacted someone. His father said, it's a very nice place. Not far from here either. You can still visit her. They have to send a special nurse because of the condition. They won't be there for a couple of days. He leaned forward. Your mum's upset, Elliot. Your mother's in here. Do you understand? I know you like to keep yourself to yourself most of the time. God knows I would if I were your shoes. But maybe you try to spend a little more time with her. She needs you right now. Elliot nodded again. This time his father only nodded back in reply. Through the wall, Grandma let out a painful yowl. Elliot stood up from the table and began to go back to his room. As he exhaled, he did his, so did his mother, closing the door to grandmother's room behind her and letting out a sob. Her pale face looked at her, like a grin to Elliot. She turned and looked at him. His eyes were dark and blurry. He looked at a deep shade of maroon in the light. It was the first time. Elliot thought of her, how beautiful she was. His mother started to come towards him. He turned and went upstairs. He laid his bed until the sun, met with the rising At twilight became complete. The sounds coming from the room beneath his had ceased, and his parents, who were begun to argue again, when his first came to upstairs, had separated. One. One Elliot assumed it was his mother who climbed the stairs and got onto to their room, while the other moved into the, one of the lower rooms for the. On the other side of the house, his father had previously gone into his study. Elliot got out of his bed and went over to his closet. He slid down the door and cleared away the clothes. Expressing the dirty carpet underneath, he got down on his hands and knees and waited. Soon the floor began to clear away and once again he was looking down into Grandma's room. For a moment, he didn't see her. He shoved, he shoved around on his knees, adjusting to the ankle to his vision. Finally, he saw her. She was sitting on her bed, cross legged above the sheets, staring back at him. Her face seemed sane, like the ghost of memory he had when she he was young. She was still motionless, but something about her face and eyes seemed to invite him. And it went to her. He clo- softly closed the door behind him and tiptoed down the stairs, clearly to not have hurt his parents to his movements. He slunk down to the hallway to grandmother's room grandma's room his her door was closed as he should have expected, but he tried to not be turned, and the door began to swing open. The twilight spilled out into the hallway as the door swung open Grandma Grandma began to came into view. She was still seated on the bed in the same position, only her head moved, bringing her eyes down to meet Elliot's in the doorway. He entered. He walked across the room to her bed. As he did, a smile began to crease her face. He sat down on the furthest corner, wary of getting too close, the image of her sewing open her throat still in his mind. Elliot, grandmother said. Thank you for coming to see me. The voice he had heard coming from her was not the one he heard earlier that day. There was no desperation, no anxiety. She was calm and sane and once again, just like grandmother. Every day it was so silent, grandmother patted the bed beside her. Come closer, she said with a small chuckle. Oh, I'm by, I won't bite. a promise. Elliot stayed very still. He felt the filth begin to rise in his guts once again. Grandma saw this and his his smile beamed into a solemn look of despair. Eyes seemed to glow in a purple twilight. I understand, she said after a moment. I I haven't been myself lately. I've scared you, haven't I? Of course I have. It's hard to get old. Try to understand. It's all taking, taking all the power to keep myself together now. I feel them, the voices, I mean, the twitching, rising in my belly. Elliot thought he understood this. His bowels were not now urgent with panic. He wanted to flee, but he remained still. Well, you sh- I know you want to leave, she continued, so it won't take long. I have something to ask you. Do you know what it, it, what it is? Elliot shook his head. I saw you earlier today, through the porch. That's what I know that you're doing. You're a very special boy, Elliot. I know it's... Not, it's. I've known it since you're very young. I can, can bury things too, you know. Elliot began to lean away, and then brace himself. He was buff- buffing. Grandmother let her s- small sharp ch- tackle. You thought you were the only one? She said, smiling. No, it's an old family trick. Yes, we'd all do it differently, but we all do it i know, I need you to know how to do it w- once more i need and I need you to do it once more. You talked with your father earlier today, didn't you? You know where you are going to send me? Elliot nodded. I can't go there. She added her face becoming grim. the light outside was fading. i cannot it's a worse pain than death, but you can help me. You know what I'm asking. he did. He had imagined it earlier when he watched her under the floor of his closet, stuffing her into a jar and burying her under the house. Would you do it? she asked, the desperation beginning to creep back. The light in the room was beginning to fade, her face beginning shrouded in the darkness. Elliot tried to speak to tell her no, tell her that he couldn't, but no sound came out. And I know, I know you what you're thinking she she said, but you you ain't killing me, I'm already dead. I tried to show you earlier. I just need to be need to be buried, please. The light of the part light faded, and Grandma's head fell. Eddie watched as she began to twitch and mumble to herself. He left the room and she began to stir. He crept back into the kitchen, soft light ceased. Caressed him when he opened the refrigerator door. He fished around the door until he found what he was looking for. He took out a large glass jar of strawberry jelly, that made his that made his stomach turn. He had the butter knife from the drawer left next to the sink and walked over to the garbage can. He opened the jar and scraped out the remaining jelly. Winced each time the knife squealed. Gets the size of the jam jar. He rinsed the jar out and removed the label. He washed and replaced the knife and took the jet back to Grandma's room. She was off the bed, circling the room, and reaching out with her withered arms. Elliot stood in the doorway for a moment. He jar cupped his hand in front of him like a common ch- communion chalice. He waited until Grandma turned and noticed him. Her sanity and eyes were now complete. He was afraid she would turn on him, but she did not. She not she did not. He said she fell on her knees. There was a thickening pound as one knee, in her knees just it from it cracked. She did not make a, she did not make a sound. She only hung her, her hung her head and it approached her. He got to his, on to his knees, about a foot away from her, placed a jar in the charge centre of the space between them. Grandma's breathing had become apparent. Eddie took her by the shoulders. He felt sharp ridges of bones beneath her nightgown. He had a mental image of the bones shattering in his hands. He grasped her lightly and pulled her forward until her head hung over the jar. He took his hands off, to, off her and screwed the lid, placing it in, in, outside the circle, their bodies had made. He put his hands on either side of her head and began to apply light pressure. She opened her mouth and released a grating wail liquid like which much like the filthy purse earlier had a red colour began to flow from her mouth and into the jar. It glowed harshly and it and it painted the room with an island blue blood colour. Grandmother's body hitched but off kept his head in place. She she made she made gagging sounds like she was choking, but Elliot did not did not right away, he knew that the purging began. It would be a, not cease. His hands, hands see, claw like clams, came up and began to svake at his body. Liquid. But grandmother, Elliot, kept her hand in the face. She was gagging sounds like she was choking, but Elliot did not tit, But t- did not tilt away. Head away. He knew once the purging began, he would not cease. A hand, sharp like claws, came up and began to rake Elliot's arms, begging for freedom. The jar was filling up. Elliot knew it was almost over. Grandmother continued to struggle against him. His her hands were now moving to his face to claw at his eyes. He closed them and turned away. He would not remove his hands and the side of her head until it was finished. Grandmother's gags had turned into wells and dug deep and fresh bowl. He went he felt strings on his face as his as her hands his flesh he was pulling away it hard. Alit had to hold him with all with his strength. He heard some popping and tearing sounds and the tendons of a neck of, Grandmother continued to struggle against him, her hands now moving up to his face to claw Elliot's eyes. He closed them and turned away, but he would not remove his hands from the size of her face, head. Until he's finished, Grandmother's crags had turned into wells deep and full of bile. He felt strings on his face. As her nails tore into his flesh, he was pulling away hard, and Elliot had, ho- had to hold her with... All his strength, he heard more popping and tearing sounds in the tendons of the neck, and spine gave way under the pressure. Finally, the clawing ceased. Elliot heard a thudding sound as grandmother's hands fell limply to the floor. He opened his eyes and looked at her. She was still, single droplets of filth were clinging to her grey lips. A jar was full. Grandma was dead. Elliot let out a painful pain. Child sobbed and let her go. She slumped forward to the floor, her head bouncing off and hardballed once before going to rest. Coming to rest, she looked like a woman kneeling on a pew. Only she was dead. Elliot cried. He brought his hands to his face, tearing away with his fingers. He did not reach out to her. If he did not reach out to her, for he knew whatever life she had left, was now glowing in a jar before him. He walked back and forth on his knees, until he began to ache. He stopped until his throat burned. When he had nothing left to release, he pulled his hand away from his face. Grandma's body had begun to slight slump to the side. His head was now out. Of, her head was now out of view, and its place was a tearing jar of red liquid. Eddie it wanted to swipe at it, send the stuff out into the walls in between the foot But he knew it he, he, he could not. The best he could do for grandma now was a container misery and very deep. He screwed the lid on a jar and j- lid on a jar and left the room. As he left the house he did not creep he paid no mind to the idea of being caught his eyes were still stinging from the ta- t- ties and snot while running down his chin he went out for the door cloaked down the stairs and from the be- room, second room that door that day he called underneath the house He was careful as he made his way back he had to move slowly because one hand he was holding the jar grandma's red glow provided the only light he could see Above him, he heard the sounds of movement. He called out of his burial mound beneath to bury his grandma in the deepest part of the underground beneath the place. In the back of the house, just beneath where grandmother's body now lay, he stopped. His mouth moved up. Bathed in red light, he could see the underbelly of the floorboards where grandmother's head was resting. He did not see them. The, as he had before, but somehow he still had a sense that she was smiling down at him. The movement from his parents grew, drew closer. While it waited, above him his mother entered Grandma's room and shrieked. There was, not, there was pain in her voice when Elliot had never experienced. There was a thud above him and as her, his mother fell to her knees. Dust came down to her face, on his face. She begged for Grandma to get up breathe not to be dead. Elliot heard the muffled sound of his father's voice entering the room. He pleaded for his mother to get up. She needed to leave. She didn't need to see this. She snarled something back at him, but Elliot didn't catch it. He had he, taken his eyes away. He was going to bury his grandmother. well, well